Hello, friends. Welcome to all the ladies, gentlemen, and envies out there. This is Waterway Desho. It is the second stream about Jeweler Richard episode. Well, I was going to say four in French, but I I forgot how to do it. Cinq, maybe? Episode cinq, or quattro. Uh, uh, feel free to uh, inform us. Like, I actually did French at GCSE level, uh, and it's, that has been a very long time, I should stress. <laughs> uh, so I... I almost wanted to start quoting the lyrics from Offspring's <laughs> original <laughs> original prankster song, <laughs> but I realized that's Spanish. So right, uh, right. Quatro. I did throw in the quatro because I know the the Espanol. Um, is close to that. Is quatre maybe? I'm not sure. Quatro. Uh, well, I think it's maybe. Yeah, yeah. Cat. Uh, I think sank is five, and so cat or cat. Something like that. Je n'ai pas uh, pas français. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I remembered, I remember the punchline of a joke being uh, something about the underwater cat sinking, like un du trois cat sank. Ah. Uh, um, anyway, this is really uh, this is ranks right up there with our most meandering, pointless openings. I'm the subtle doctor. Everybody, uh, everyone's least favorite host with the least. And along for the ride, as always, is the hardest working man in pod business. It's Shadon. Hello, Shadon. Good evening, everyone. After this uh, particular podcast is over, I will be drinking my way through several bottles of pale ale. Going to be good. But, but, that's just... Go on. I'd like to take this opportunity to tell you everything I thought about you since the day we met. But God, oh, Doc, that's not the text to destroy. Don't don't destroy me. Well, okay, you know what's funny though, Doc? Like I watched that scene. Uh, we'll of course get to more specifics in a bit. But do you know what it reminded me of? What's do that? you remember uh, Kuchu Branco? Of do course. you remember the patient who wanted to be texted all the time, and then <gasps> suddenly, yeah, it's the exact same feeling as that. Yes. Oh my God, I haven't thought about that in years. Do you reckon? Yeah. Do you reckon Richard dresses up as a fuzzy green bear on like the weekends? I'm just saying, he, you know, you can't prove me shit. wrong. You mm-hmm. can't prove me wrong. He, he, I'm telling you, he has a secret life. I, I've little doubt. I mean, the doubt is getting smaller and smaller each passing week that mm-hmm. he is up to some heinous shit. Absolutely. I mean, I also want to think that that message he read out, uh, well, say you guys reading out Rich's message, like he didn't read out all of it because there were some more <laughs> intimate details that followed afterwards. Like you could just imagine Simon's like, say you you've gotten the color of a ruby. What, why is that? <laughs> and he's like, no reason, no reason. Delete, 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 delete. That's right. Say, do you fancy a poke? No. <laughs> what? What? I meant, I meant the Facebook thing. I don't know why I made that right. sound creepy. I think, I think yes. my voice is too scratchy to to do a soft uh, one. Of course, a, a term we use in the jeweler industry. It's to do with the praising. <laughs> That's, I, I promise. Oh my god. Anyways, in case you didn't know, we're covering Jeweler Richard on our second stream, and our format is simply that we plunge straight ahead into discussion, and the discussion is led by our lovely patrons over on our Discord, which you there can gain access to if you are a non-patron listening to this later on. Um, 
head to patreon.com slash show uh, today and subscribe. But we're going to check the Discord, Shadon, and we're going to kick things off with our patron questions. And the first one that I have are from uh, Ayla. Is that, uh, am I missing any, or are those indeed the first ones that you have the, as well? I see them here. Yep. Two okay, for Ayla. great. All right, so we've got two questions from Ayla slash Ayla, because I don't know <laughs> right in how to pronounce your username. Um, and these are specifically directed to you, Shadon, but uh, if it's okay, I- I'll answer we, them we, as well. We, you know, I'm an equal, <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity uh, podcast question, you know, host on this one. I'll share the wealth. I appreciate that. So, do you think Richard's travel from England was to escape something or someone so mm. you could start over again? <laughs> You can't ask me that question on this day of all fucking days. You can't. Oh my god. I mean, it's not like, you know, England as a country has ever done anything monumentally stupid in its time. Who would have thought, hey? (laughs) Oh god, I'm drinking so much tonight. (laughs) It is Brexit day, Uh, everyone who doesn't uh, immediately know. Yep, the day in which the country mostly collectively voted to shit itself. Nice one. I'm not even going to hide how little I think of this whole scenario. But we're not here to talk about that. Um, Well, here's the thing, right? Richard did mention that his grandparents, or specifically his grandmother, was from Sri Lanka. Uh, Sri Lanka, British colony. Uh, So not unreasonable to think that maybe at some point in the family history that they did return to Britain from Sri Lanka, or indeed were born in Sri Lanka and then came over there. Um, For me... I think that this actually will tie into a question that we're going to get later from um, Navy Sharub. So I am just going to say for the moment that I do think that there is definitely something that has caused Richard to leave and come to Japan. Because if you think about it from a writer's perspective, like creating a character like Richard, who does fulfill like all of these certain, like, you know, desirable attributes, like, hey, he's very handsome, he's very knowledgeable, he's charming, he's erudite, he's got, you know... He's very formal, he's refined, very gentlemanly. You know, he's got that kind of air about him that I imagine a lot of women, um, I mean, you know, never mind even women, let's just say people who might be attracted to him in general would probably find appealing in that sense, you know? Um, so you could argue that the England attribute is just simply a part of that, that, well, England is seen, I don't believe it myself, mind you, but it is seen as a country of refinement, you know? Like, that's where things come from, like tea and royalty and, you know, the British stiff upper lip and all that. So you could argue that the England element is a part of that construction of him as a character in terms of appealing aesthetically, if you will. But I think this show is better than that because it's gone to... Not as great lengths as I've seen in other shows, but certainly it's gone plenty far enough with the characters we have met to give them, you know, backstories that relate to their origins. Sagi, for example. So I don't think that, you know, it's being mentioned just simply because of that element that I speak of there. But I am going to elaborate more on that with Navy's question, which kind of overlaps a little bit there. I guess I would say, sure, that sounds like a reasonable possibility. Um, you don't. I, he, Richard doesn't really seem like the weeb type, so <laughs> you know. I, I think he—it's not a, a sort of like pleasurable thing. I, I don't guess to like start a business in Japan, you know. So it it seems reasonable enough to assume, you know, he, especially given what we saw last episode in the context of uh, his family and his utterance about 
love doesn't always mean that two people are compatible with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed, there's an instant in this episode, or rather a line that he drops that again hints at his history. Um, mm-hmm. And also, funnily enough, ties with my idea that it is more than simply how he is crafted as a character, if you will. And it's more about what it mean, like what we meaning we can derive from him as a person. Uh, that line being specifically how he notes that his beauty, as he sees it, has been you know a burden to him. It has caused him problems, which will be something again that we'll be covering in other questions soon enough. I'm so beautiful it hurts, Richard. Twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ayla also asked, uh, "Do you think Richard is independently wealthy or?" got his money from family. Hmm. Hmm. That's, ooh. Um, that is a very good question because, again, if we explore his origin and his history, Sri Lanka, land of gemstones, certainly, you know, could just simply have been a point of fascination for him, like, you know, of where he came from, where his family tree emerged from and all that. But also, in turn, could have been that maybe his family dare I say it, uh, got rich off the backs of, you know, plundering Sri Lanka's, like, you know, mineral wealth. Is his empire yeah. built on blood money? Is he is he basically all about the colonialism? Did he do a colonialism? Or rather, did his, you know, <laughs> did his grandparents do a colonialism, I wonder? <laughs> I mean, God, we really are nailing the hammer in the wall about Britain staying. You know what? Fucking go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sour right now, so why why not, you know? For queen and country, my ass. Anyway, queen and country, right? Uh, do, yeah. Well, do you think it will be like um, thematically relevant in terms of like you know th- this point, like his the the origin of his wealth? Do you think the show is going to touch on it? Uh, possibly. I suspect that maybe in the same episode, like I suggested, the final episode where we learn most about. Maybe, maybe that could be true. But why be curious about is it? If he is independently wealthy, uh, sorry, rather, if he did get his money from his family, what I'd be most interested about is, interested in is what that means to him. Like, is he then completely apathetic to that notion? Like, he's like, I don't give a fuck. It's my money, I'll do it as I, as I please. Or is that a burden for him? Because yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but there's an awful lot of wealthy people who inherited their <laughs> money from their families. Thank you, Elon Musk, you useless piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> so many up. people we could... Mm. Shout oh, there's, the, yeah, J.J. Abrams, he's also known for that. Um, Don Trump, <laughs> our fair uh, president. Anyway, so yeah, we could, like, you could name a ton of people like that for whom their wealth is just like, hey, I, you know, I totally earned this. I absolutely did, and it's in no way, you know, there is, you know, due to my parents or, like, you know, where I was raised or anything like that. So I would actually would like to think from a storytelling perspective that it is something he got from his family, only because I think that might be more interesting than the alternative of him just simply being independently wealthy. But then again, that in itself can bring up its own storytelling possibilities. So who knows? Either for mm-hmm. me, like looking at it strictly as a from a critical perspective, does have possibility for, you know, good drama and good backstory. So yeah, yeah. I'm okay with either, really. Totally. I think the safer bet is that he, he inherited something and... It's maybe, like you said, kind of a burden for him. Part of the reason why he still has complicated feelings about his family. This is just my speculation. I have not Indeed. read the books. So um, thank you, Ayala. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Did you have something else to add? Uh, no, I'm just going to say, uh, if I may, I'll take on a Navy's question here. All right. Let's hear it. 
Okay, so this one comes from Navy Sherbin. This is quite a long question, so I'm going to read out all of it, and I'm also going to read out Navy has provided us with some comments from Crunchyroll, specifically from certain episodes. <laughs> some, uh, for the sake choice. of <laughs> choice for, comments. For, for the sake of protecting the uh, uh-huh. how do I how do I put this politely uh, the more the the more pilled among us, shall we say? The names uh, have been I, changed to protect the innocent. Yes, absolutely. So here we go. <clears throat> Meta question. Every episode so far has been about Seiji having some sort of prejudice he doesn't realise he has because of his inherent insistence on being a good person, only for the client and Richard to teach him something. However, I've noticed the Crunchyroll comments in each episode, and sorry, Navy, I'm going to have to interrupt your question mid-flow here. If there's anything I've learned from reading Crunchyroll comments is that you really shouldn't. You, like, ever. It's like... It's like visiting an, ins- an insane asylum as, like, you know, a day out and just peering in. Like, y- y- you'll come out worse for it. I mean, I unfortunately had the displeasure of reading, like, at least the top two comments of every single Shield Hero video I watched. <laughs> that was a disheartening experience, let's put it that way. Uh, anyway. They're like, uh, they're like the anti-pizza. You know, however you say, like, even even a bad pizza, like, is still good because it's pizza. This is, like, even the good Crunchyroll comments I found are still pretty, like, meh. They're just always like, you know, this rocks, or like, this character's the best. It's just very like, which is good and fine, and I'm all for like doing. I do that too. You it's know, just like not a value add for my experience of the show. Really, yeah. you, you know, actually, I'm just reminded when I visited Berlin last year, I went to the zoo and there was an enclosure full of baboons, and the enclosure itself was like this kind of moat setup, so it's like a recessed pit kind of thing. And they were all going in circles around this moat and just, like, scrapping with each other and throwing things at each other. I think that's basically the Crunchyroll <laughs> comment section right there for you. We go now live to the Crunchyroll comment section. And it's just bab- baboons fighting each other. Each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, really, it really is. <clears throat> so to resume Navy's question, I've noticed the Crunchyroll comments on each episode, especially the newest one, are full of people who are completely missing the point that is about, you know... Richard and the client teaching Seiji something new each episode. So I'm going to read the comments out firstly, minus the names again, to protect the baboons. You know, we don't want to, you know, have them be insulted by this. No. And then I'll get to Navy's uh, questions. First one. uh, This one is... Well, this episode was a cringe fest. (laughs) They keep flipping Seiji's character around. Is he kind or not? Is he insightful or not? Is he shy around girls or not? Make up your minds, writers. Stop flipping his personality for each episode's plot. Uh, this one got minus the three, by the way. So it looks like David was not the only one to take this, you know, disapproval of this one. Ooh. So you know, maybe Ooh. some justice in the world. Can I? Can I uh, read the next one? Go on. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I'm really surprised that Richard keeps <laughs> letting Saggy wear such plain street clothes while working there. I'd expect him to require much more professional attire. Doc, were you trying Frowny to imitate... Frowny face, like slanted mouth face. Were you trying just to imitate the voice of like a, a hardcore leave voter? Maybe. I think you did a good job there <laughs> in that case. Well done, lad. Okay, uh, the next one, like, okay. What the hell is Seiki butting in all the time? Super annoying. He really should stop talking to the customers and let Richard do his job. Oorah! Oorah <laughs> was not actually in the comment, by the way, I should clarify. All right. Uh, I'll do the last one. Hmm. Let's see. 
I would like this show better if Saggy wasn't <laughs> such a crunch lord. Oh my god. <laughs> you know you like me. I Bam. I just <laughs> I'm just gonna say I have a very strong feeling that none of the accents we just came up with actually match the voices of the people who you know uh, who wrote those. Although I will also add uh, with that final comment, I'm willing to wager. I'm willing to wager quite hard on this that there's not a single person making that kind of complaint about Seiji being a quote-unquote cringe lord who's not done something similarly daft as he has at least once in their lives. Yeah, completely, completely innocent mistakes of etiquette and social grace. We've all made them. I've made them more times than I can count. Of course. So, you know, it's just... <laughs> I suppose this now will lead into actually my answer on the Navy's question, but I do need to break it down because he's offered, some several, he's offered us several points. Do you agree with my base assumptions about the show's themes so far? Yes. Next question. Uh, no, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, totally. Totally. <laughs> no, yeah, really. That's, that's a hard, that's a yeah. hard agree on that one. Uh, For sure. Next up. If yes... Do you think it's being communicated in a way that people are just not getting and why? Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a thought on this. This is going to sound like a strange comparison here, but bear with me while I read this out. Now, Doc, have you seen Star Wars The Last Jedi? I have. Okay. Do you... In fact, well, holy shit, I think that's the first time I've asked <laughs> that question. You've actually agreed with me. Holy crap. I've, I've seen a, a, a movie. You, see, you have you seen. See, you you left the house. <laughs> you went you went of your own will to go to the cinema. No, I didn't. Bitly... I just rented it. <laughs> oh, okay. You made the wise choice then, actually, because going to the cinema generally is a is a bad idea. Um, I, I kid. Actually, it's been okay. I like so. the cinema. I, yeah, I wish I could go been... more often. It has its moments, even though it's basically a leech on like you know people's finances. But that's a discussion for a different time. So anyway, the reason why I'm bringing up Last Jedi, I might think it's a bit strange, but there's a scene in that film, and, and now that you've actually watched it, like, holy crap, I can talk to you about it. Uh, <laughs> no. I've Luke... also seen... Uh, wait, did you say The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi? Because I've seen the both Last of Jedi. them. I was going to say, I've seen both of them. Uh, but yes, please, continue. Talk to me about this Ryan Johnson classic. So there's the scene in which Luke throws away the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, that scene kind of encapsulates that entire film because... It's meant to be like his rejection of his like philosophy as, as we've known it for such a long time for the character. Um, but it also comes across as so flippant as to be in a way that also kind of presents itself as being funny. And it reads really strangely. Like I personally took it to be like, you know, you know, it's his bl- blasé rejection of something that he no longer cares for. And yeah. shocking as well. But I think that because of the way it was framed and shot, like it didn't quite read clearly. Hmm. So why am I bringing up relationships? Because I think that I think again more perhaps due to this show's abridged nature, um, particularly like with certain things being trimmed down for the adaptation. I think that Seiki's behavior, like I personally can read it as you know as we believe it to be, which is that he's just making innocent mistakes, like. And indeed, you know, it's easy enough to say, like, innocent mistakes, but a lot of this stuff is things that you wouldn't even think about necessarily, like of how, it, you know, being complimentary of someone can actually be quite disingenuous, and there's going to be a point I'll be making about that later. He's a kid. Um, and there's also that, which I think, which I really have less, like, you know, sympathy for when people watch shows like this. And see also my previous comment that anyone who wants to make that kind of statement is also, you know arguably just as guilty they would never admit it of course yeah Um, yeah and he's also like working with uh, people that are not his peers which can especially i don't know 
in Japan, but also like when you're in a multicultural kind of uh, situation in your in your workplace, that can create uh, I don't know just an environment you're not really used to navigating socially. Um, he's probably only used to hanging out with you know people around his age that are Japanese. People with no names. <laughs> right. Like guitar toting fools. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so there's that as well. Uh, but I also think that part of this might be the fault of the adaptation, not perhaps bringing through enough material to flesh out like his reasoning. Because if I remember correctly from what we learned from OKK, um say he has in the monologue in the in the novel, I think. Or at least the novel is framed in such a way that is from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, see the John Watson comparison that, you know, we could very well make here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that it's been presented in a more plain, like, you know, external observer kind of way. I'm sure that I could, should eventually find the film language term for that. Um, that might mean something's been lost in translation that's causing some people to misunderstand it. Now, when I say some people, I'm actually meaning to say that there are some people who are misunderstanding it because of that. And they're like a bit confused, perhaps. And then there are just people acting in bad faith who just simply can't take the character on, you know, the terms of which he's been presented, which is he's a dorky teenager. What a fucking surprise that he acts like a dorky teenager. There's, there, it's like, you know, with that whole TV tropes, like cinema sensing, there's this kind of like mentality that's kind of become as pervasive as the fucking coronavirus, annoyingly enough. Um, that, yeah, that's topical, by the way. This won't date this podcast at all. Um, but like, where people simply, you know, read character mistakes as simply that and not a deliberate intent on part of the actual writing. Like, hey, person who said that he was a cringe lord, maybe that's the point, Mm -hmm. you know? Just a crazy notion here. I mean, this is also a show about appraising things more closely and getting a better and more nuanced understanding of yourself and others, never mind gemstones. Maybe, you know, you might want to take it up on that suggestion. It I would mean, also we... be, <laughs> I don't know, it would be kind of a more boring show without the, like, this sort of, uh, th- this is the serialized plot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is yes, what we exactly. get to follow week on week. This is, like, the opportunity for character growth. And honestly, Richard needs, if we're going to find out about Richard, which is presumably mm-hmm. what these people want to do, these the commenters, he needs a foil, and yes. Segi is that foil, you know? Yes. He's anti-Richard. He's the anti-Richard, yeah. <laughs> Segi, the anti-dick, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't find that as funny as anything. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, anyway. but, but yeah, I... I'm with you on all of this, Navy, to be quiet. Although I think that some people should be given the benefit of the doubt because I do think there is a bit of fuzziness to how it's presented where things may seem like, say, he's like, you know, acting about sorts. Like, just even like, you know, when he starts like randomly complimenting Richard in this episode in front of uh, Yanomoto, that did seem a little odd to me. And I have a feeling, this might not be true, mind you, but I have a feeling that in the novel, there may have been a bit of buildup internally for him that led him to say that. Okay. Well, t- I'll tell maybe so. To me, the way that I read it, it totally made sense and it it felt like uh it, it felt like a, a shitty mistake I would make. Like mm-hmm. imagine yourself like I don't know. Um for me anyway, I'll I'll do this exercise to imagine myself in a new job at like age 20. Is that around how old? I think Segi's around that that age. He's in college. 
Something we'll just like say that. 20, 21, 19. Um, and, you know, pretty shy kid, uh, but you've been there two months. You know, over time, you build up a rapport with your boss. He becomes your friend, or at least you think so. You see how he acts and treats other people. You see how charming he is. Um, you kind of get the routine that you're going in, and you feel like you're feeling yourself. You're like, yeah, you know, I got this. Like, I'm going to start, like, uh, sort of being kind of uh, more chatty, more charming, and be a more integral part of this uh, whole process here. And mm-hmm. I think he just, like, overreached. Uh, and I feel yeah, like I've, I'm, I'm holding totally both hands up here. I'm holding both hands up here because I've got. I, I, I'm. I'm not saying that like you know the action itself doesn't make sense, but I think again this is a temporal thing, where it happens so quickly. I'm and I'm thinking like if there'd been a bit a little bit of build up in his own in a monologue space, you know, to get to that point where he says, "Yeah, God, I've got to say something." Or, uh, well, not even in those words necessarily. So behavior is perfectly understandable but i think that because it happens so suddenly i think that might be why it's catching people off guard see the lightsaber thing that i mentioned mm-hmm. um i don't know i mean personally in the end that did not bother me i totally understood the intent i'm just really more trying to play you know a little bit of the old devil's advocate which is not yeah. normally something i do actually like normally i'm the first one to you know put people over the fire you know but well, one more thing about 2a here um I definitely think that it is, especially with this episode, pretty obvious what they're doing. Um, that, you know, Segi learning various lessons uh, about being a good person and what that entails and sort of social graces and uh, how to talk to people, how to relate to other people. Um, that's all like there. And I think it's pretty obvious. I do want to say, though, that I think it's also okay while you're watching to, like, be like, God damn it, Segi, you you cringe lord. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you're you, such a yeah. dork. As long, <laughs> as long as you say that in good faith with, you know, the understanding that, you know, there's a reason behind that. It's not yeah. just being a cringe lord because the writers are a, a bad, but rather because they specifically want him to be that way. And again, I'm going to get into this in a moment. Um with um navy's final question here um in fact never mind a moment let's cut to it right now do it now so more speculative there this one do you think richard sees something in himself in segi from segi's mistakes now i said this in our discord so i'll put it on the pod now for everyone's here this show is very very clear on you know it's gems as allegory for people in various respects and indeed the last line before we go into the OP of this particular episode is Seiji saying that Richard is a living jewel. But, think of it, right? We've had a number of, you know, episodes now about how jewel crafting, you know, works and the reasons that they happen and so on and so forth. So for me, the dichotomy between these two characters, and I think this is where Richard sees something himself, if Richard is a living jewel that has been polished to perfection as he's been described as in this episode, funnily enough... Um, then I would argue that Segi, by contrast, is a completely uncut gem. Like, mm. he's probably raw, knobbly, you know, like when it's just literally been taken out of the ground, covered in dirt. Out of sand. But... <sighs> I mean, I know Adam Sandler, I mean, I know Adam Sandler's a carbon based life form, and technically you could turn that into diamonds, but really the only thing that comes from him is shit. No, no, listen. Have you seen uncut gems? I've not seen it, but a. You know. Apparently, well, the thing is, like, okay, side note, yes, like, 
Adam Sandler is great when he's not directing his own movies because like you've got Punch Drunk mm. Love, for example, uh, which is apparently quite good. So every time that he's not doing anything involving Happy Gilmore Productions, it's great. <laughs> I, I really want to... Uncut Gems looks really interesting. Anyway, this is complete related to nothing. Please continue. <laughs> so yeah, I think that he sees Segi in a sense as like an uncut gem that has just been extracted from the earth. Something that, you know... He can see a lot of potential in, but he's still very rough around the edges. But, then again, think of where this can lead thematically for the show, because, as has been shown before, forcing, you know, gems, or people even, into states for which they are not suited Mm -hmm. is not necessarily the best thing. Just peep that ahead. Yeah, that's true. But also, to, to bring out the gem's luster, it has to be heated has to be forged that's probably this... uncomfortable you yes. know what i mean well, well that's it yeah growth and yes. development is yes hard. you're so you're so right like oftentimes like you know when i fucks up and i've learned from it or even not learned from it it's still been a you know an embarrassing or painful experience going through that so yeah i mean gems as people like that's this show's like dna that is its, uh, you know, raison d'etre, if you will. There, some more French. I, I knew some more French. <laughs> beautiful, I, I, beautiful. I, I'm, I'm so happy with that. That's its, you know, motif. It's the big part of it. So yeah. I can totally get that. And I think that maybe Richard sees, like, someone... Maybe he thinks to himself, I was like that once, and now I'm like I am now. And bear in mind, he did say that his beauty has caused him problems. So for all that he's been, you know shaped into this person perhaps by external forces indeed in the opening by the way we do see what appear to be flashback inserts of him as a kid so you know Mm. there's definitely something going on there there are just too many people calling him for dates i mean that's (laughs) that's a rough one i'm I'm sorry richard that's that must be tough you know what i mean like having people take your picture all the time I mean, it's like I joked in our Discord, you know, he went on LinkedIn to do business, not get hooks up like he's on Tinder. <laughs> LinkedIn is Tinder. <laughs> that, for Richard, it is. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Uh, um, so, finally, Navy also says, is Segi a bi... Oh, sorry, Segi's a bi icon. Yes, the answer is yes. Yes. I'm going to agree because... I'm admittedly speaking as a cishet man here, so this is probably, you know, perhaps in poor taste, and I apologize for it, but, like, a lot of bi people I've met in my time have real disaster energy about them. And that is saving. <laughs> I'm not saying all bi people do, but I'm saying that sometimes there are bi people who own, like, you know, disaster energy and mm. make it their own. And Seiki's definitely... Yeah, Seiki is definitely full disaster energy on that. I mean, did you see him, like, hopping and skipping last episode? The thing that we neglected to mention and were roundly scolded for? Man... What a dog. <laughs> Such a dog. And, and indeed, see all the things that he does. There are, you know, like slip-ups. Um, yeah. He might not know it, but I think he definitely is a bi-icon. I, I would say so. I would say so. Um, although I should note that, just to offer some counterpoint here, we have had a note come in from Kate, uh, one of our other patrons, who says that maybe he isn't necessarily bi. Um, maybe he more sees Richard less as a person, but more like a living treasure, which ties with his dialogue. Sure. I mean, it could go either way, and... You know, the beauty of art, like, you know, is that we can interpret it however we want. If you want to, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm admittedly speaking about material that exists in another format, so this is already a known quantity. But as someone who's only seen the anime and speculating ahead of time, if you want to read it, knowing, having known the material that we've got here, like these four episodes, that say he's bi or, he's, you know, he is actually gay, however you want to do it, there's evidence enough for all of it and go nuts. Like, you know, that's part of the joy of interpreting mm-hmm. art. 
whatever yeah. if you want to feel if it's makes you feel seen as a result that's good and indeed there are characters in this show that make me feel seen as we'll discuss soon enough mm-hmm. and how we how we label sexuality can be like a funny thing when we're talking about other people's sexuality because mm-hmm. who knows how they you know want to define themselves and be defined because I don't know if you... Mm, isn't that the motif or the theme of this <clears throat> very episode? I know. Oh! <laughs> and if you're saying you, right? Like, you know, say you only ever fall for and are attracted to one man in your entire life, Richard. And otherwise, you know, it's been ladies. Are you bi, gay? Like, what do you... So it's, you know... Well, it's a, it it's could a, be it's like... A, uh, it's a spectrum. Totally. Exactly. Which I think... I'm... Like yes, this it's a good thing. Mm, I would agree. It's a good thing. Okay, uh, so thank you very much, for that, Navy. Hope that's been uh, extensive for you. Just remember, folks, don't go into Crunchyroll comment sections ever. And I don't like, just just to cover my own ass here. Like I, <laughs> I don't think that there's a requisite number of same-sex people that a person has to sleep with or be attracted to to be like officially qualifies by. I All right, think here's, it's uh, no, totally no, I'm whatever. Go, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go one bear, right? Okay, Doc, what's your sexuality? Um, het. I th- het. Pretty okay. sure that that's all I need to know, and that applies equally if you're bi, if you're queer, or wherever in between. You tell yeah. me what you are, and I'll believe you. Enough said. I'm with Jesus you. Christ, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna start asking you to like, you know, roll out any porno videos you might have to concern ourselves with other people. Like that yeah. to me is the bar is the bar that should be set for like telling someone your sexuality, even if you want to, if it's even relevant, mm-hmm. which is I am het or gay or lesbian or queer or you know, even asexual, whatever, wherever it may be, you say it and people agree with it. Job mm-hmm. done. Moving yeah. on. Easy peasy, right? Easy peasy, easy or easy breezy even. But there's the. <laughs> there you I, go. I, had to, I had to get the Isoken reference in. Okay, so next question. This one comes from Mirror on the Wall, and this is a big one. Um, I actually wanted to say Mirror, like Mirror said in our Discord, uh, that they weren't sure, like you know, because they thought we'd already like the an- they'd already know what the answer we'd give would be. Listen, and I really don't actually know. <laughs> this is something you and I are gonna need to thrash out. So thank you for this one, Mirror. I always love questions Work like shopping. this that really get my you know uh, brain matter going. Okay, so, excuse me. This is what I get for drinking on the cast, by the way, although I'm not drinking alcohol just yet. Um, <laughs> Would you like me the, to read it? or, or you No, I've, I, I've okay. got this. Uh, guys. Uh, there's been a bit of talk about Mito, as in uh, Yana Mito's uh, looks, and what she thinks of them. So I want to know your thoughts on everyone is, or should think, of themselves as beautiful in their own way, versus it's okay to not be beautiful. And, whoo. Because this episode, like, if there's one thing this episode is clear about, like, even if it is very didactic about it, which I think is actually to its detriment a bit, and I'll explain about that in a bit, it's that, again, it's tying into the idea that I've said before about the show, where it's asserting that arbitrary systems of value, be they, you know, in monetary terms or in terms of society, like, you know, what we think to be pretty or, you know, visually appealing, are meaningless versus, like, you know, the actual person underneath and connecting with them. And... I'm going to give a cop-out answer to this one, Mira, so pl- please forgive me. I think both perspectives are valid. I think both of them are. Uh, look, right, look, everyone's everyone's Patreon funds... Give us our money me- back. No, no, no. Every, everyone's Patreon subscriptions to this podcast, do you know what they do? They pay for me to sit on that fence, damn it, and I will do so. You, you can't stop me. 
All right, but allow me to explain. The thing is, right, I think that how you respond to society and other people's viewpoints on beauty is going to vary from person to person depending on who they are. Um, not everyone can think of themselves as beautiful in their own way because of many different reasons, be it mental health, self-esteem, uh, or even past events. Uh, I certainly wouldn't call myself like good looking, but other people do think that. And that is to me is, you know, a part of my own history, like, you know, of who I am as a person and my own success or more of a failure, you know, with dating and all that kind of stuff. And just what I see of other things, like, you know, I'm not going to belabor the point, not get too real on there, but that's just speaking for myself. And yet I think that there are other people who probably think, hey, you know what? Your standard of beauty, as it were, doesn't apply to me for whatever reason, or it's irrelevant, or it's not, you know, something I should care about. You don't get to set a standard for me that I then have to follow. It's not right. I would, I'm if I, you know, if I'm not beautiful, that's because I think in, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what else thinks. So for me, I think it depends on whichever perspective you feel indiv individually that is most comfortable with in terms of dealing with the world and like, you know, it's obsession with vanity. Or rather, egotistical vanity, I should stress, because I do think that it's perfectly fine for people to be beautiful in the sense like, you know, you spend time making yourself look beautiful for like makeup, nails, you name it. I mean, Christ almighty, like if you want to do that, then go nuts. The difference for me is when ego starts when some people start preening and such. But simply, you know, wanting to be proud of your appearance is no crime. So yeah, whatever perspective of those two that you've posed there Mira, that works for you or indeed for anyone else listening to this podcast in terms of how you rationalize the world around you and the world's approach to like you know appearance uh, and beauty you use that you know you can think of yourself as beautiful in your own way or you can think of yourself as not beautiful and both are valid perspectives provided they are in service of your own well-being okay so we promise in-depth answers. Um, how are we defining beautiful here? Um, are we talking Christine Aguilera beautiful here? I don't know. <laughs> that's not what I mean. No, that's I mean, actually uh, a fairly legit answer if you know about the lyrics of that song. But I, I kid, I kid. Oh, the song. I don't even remember the song. I thought you were <laughs> saying she's like an, a standard of beauty. And I'm like, no, that just is a completely dodges the question. No, um, no, no. The song. Are we meaning like attractive, or do we well, mean that, something well, more like uh, robust? Well, this is the thing. Like you know, it means different things to different people. Anyway, you know, some people do you know spend a lot of time on their appearance, not simply for the sake of you know making themselves look good for their own sake, but rather because they want to be appealing to others. What is the end purpose of doing so? And that in its, itself, to me, feels like a justification for my answer of whatever perspective you feel is best for your own well-being is what you should go with because there is no universal answer to what is beautiful i mean if there's anything that like you know seeing all the crap that's in like adverts around like you know cities and stuff like that or even what gets put on like you know adverts like where you see like for example perfume adverts like you know pour homme pour femme that kind of shit um and that's more french hey we're getting all the french out tonight i love this i'm great at this I'll actually be able to speak the full language by the time we're done. But Wait. like, but like, yes, 
Oh shit! I had I had the perfect opportunity there. I screwed it. Um, but like you see those adverts, for example, and you've got people like I don't know uh, Ryan Gosling, for example. Not Ryan Gosling. Was it Ryan Gosling? Ryan Reynolds. I meant to say. Maybe he's been on Perfume Ad as well. I don't fucking know. Uh, and that's an idealized version of like male beauty, for example. Or then you see like you know women in laundry and all that. Thing. I'm not going to wax too lyrical on that particular point, but like that's an assumed standard. But I don't find any of that really all that appealing personally. Be it, you know here's what you should look like as a man, or here's the kind of woman you should be attracted to. It doesn't work that way. So, I don't think we can really answer that question in terms of figuring out a set standard, because there are so many of them, and they're not even necessarily right or agreeable to begin with anyway. But, again, I think that just gives more weight to my theory, which is, you have your perspective that you should have, or you feel you should have, because it's what's best for you, you know? If you want to, you know think yourself as beautiful in your, in your own way because the world's like, hey, full of it, great. And alternatively, if you want to say, I'm not beautiful, but that's because the world, you know, is designed in such ways to make me feel like that, and that's I'm going to reject that. However you want to, whatever, like, structure in your mind you want to use to get to that point, fucking go for it, you know? I think Mirror has worded um, the two alternatives in such a way that it really is kind of... Um... Oh, one two, or the other. Two ways to say the same thing. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just think... I mean, the definition of this matters a lot, but... Well, okay, so I think... First of all, I think it behooves us to talk here about what we think the show is saying about this. Because hmm. I, I think that what the show is saying via Richard is not everyone is beautiful. Uh, and also, not, you, and even if you are by by conventional standards, as Richard admits, that does not necessarily, you know, work out in your favor. He hasn't elaborated on why that is, mind you, but I do think right. that is certainly true. But he, I think he definitely is of a mind that um, aesthetic beauty and like attractiveness, mm. uh, sexual attractiveness are qualities or, or is a set of qualities that not everyone possesses uh period or even those that possess it like some have more some have less because when Segi tries to like at different points in the episode kind of say like oh no you are beautiful or like you're young enough or or you, the gym would be good for you like he very much like steps in to be like you know stop like don't your 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 mouth is like kind of running away again you're, a lot of careless speech like these empty platitudes don't help anybody because mm -hmm. they know they're oh, empty man man that's um, that line when say he says hey you'll meet a nice guy eventually like, yes I've been you're a, right i i have been on the receiving end of the <gasps> women equivalent of that line more times than i care to count and it is, I know it's meant with the best of intentions, but every time I hear it, I literally just want to start shaking the person and says, all right, fucking, you know, eight, magic eight ball person that you are. How about <laughs> when? That has really angered me in the past. And again, I understand that that's, you know, like purely, uh, you know, in best of intentions, like trying to comfort you, but it doesn't help. And indeed, that's the big thing about this episode. Yeah. Say his own behavior. Yeah. And framing it, in the context of what is beneficial to the person um, is key because Richard always pivots away from like 
am I beautiful? Yes or no to like, here is how I see you. Here is what your strengths are. And they're important. Um, especially in different contexts. You know, I love that part in the episode where he says, when it comes to looking for a life partner, youth and beauty are not uh, the like the best strengths, in my opinion, that you could have. Uh, perseverance, longevity, like being a, a fighter, uh, someone who can d- get in the struggle, like that matters more. I'm getting that scene printed on a mug and I'm going to start drinking royal milk tea, but underneath it'll have big mood written on it because that really (laughs) is a big mood for someone like me. Uh, By the way, if I may just also mention something specific that I think will uh, assist my point here. So let's talk about, is it Yanomoto, I believe? I almost said Mm -hmm. Yanomoto because I keep mixing her name up with Tanimoto. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh oh my God. Like, I hope we don't get any more Motos in this. Like, (laughs) send me all the Motos. (laughs) Send me all the Motos. But here's the thing, right? And this is something I appreciate the episode doing. No one compliments on Yanomoto's appearance. Any judgments that we are to make about her appearance, given that it is such a key thing to her in this episode mm-hmm. and what she feels about herself, are left to us as the audience. And you and I know, Doc, because we saw this in Kabuki Cho Sherlock, again, the thing I'm loath to bring up but must. <laughs> if an anime wants to make a character ugly, by God will they do it. <laughs> but Yanomoto, she looks like a pretty classy lady to me. Hollywood ugly is how I all uh, put yes. it in. <laughs> yeah, it's I like, mean, you and I. Yeah, I mean, the you woman and I who's saw, supposed to be framed as not pretty, but everyone watching is like, "Hey, man, I'd I'd hook up with her." <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Though, right? Like. It's like when we watched Aizuk in episode four, and we, of course, had the trio talking about how they thought their own work was subpar or flawed, even though other people were clearly quite, quite into it. And it's true, too, here for about parents. I mean, you've just all heard me talk about, hey, I don't think of myself as anything much, and I've many times made self-depreciating jokes about my appearance. But I have other people say, hey, you're pretty handsome, you're not bad-looking, etc. And I think it is true of a lot of us, if not the majority of us, that we will always self-depreciate in terms of like our own appraisal of who we are and what we're capable of, be it appearance or be it skills, you name it. I mean, our podcast is called It's Probably Bad, but I know we're better than that. That's just part of the We're kitsch. definitely bad. Oh, oh God are we this? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> when are we going to turn it to Wari Sugoi? Oh, man, when- awesome bad. <laughs> <laughs> But that that's also true of us, to be fair. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, butcher, butchering my Japanese now. The, the, the languages section of this particular podcast is going to be some linguist nightmare. Ugh. Holy shit. Um, so, so I'll follow on from Mira's question then. Can we even really, you know, like, use what perspective you have? But we're probably going to end up rating ourselves lower than we really are anyway, even if there is an objective measure, if you will, or a consensus oh, yeah. that we can go against. So it's quite complicated because of one word that gets brought up in this episode marketing (laughs) oh fuck me (laughs) it's so true it's so true though um okay so and and now kind of oh what do i think right um miro wants to know our thoughts so i think like you mentioned uh beauty being in the eye of the beholder and I agree with that. I think physical attractiveness is relative. Um, But I think each individual person, um, 
I, it's probably not relative, like, it, like in terms of, what am I trying to say? Like, the standards are sort of absolute in the person's own mind, or at least less flexible, but it's relative in terms of the entire human population, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you no, know, I, do you, I, does yeah. that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's probably a lot of truth in Richard's sort of uh, wanting Sagi to not be so flippant with... Uh, with those kind of empty platitudes about like, oh, you're, you'll find, uh, you, you'll meet someone for you because like you're plenty beautiful and you just need all that sort of stuff. But now I'll be honest. Like I, as you know, sort of scientific or, or objective or, or whatever straightforward straight face as that may be. Um, the idea that, not everyone is beautiful to everyone else. Like I can't bring myself to say that to another person. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I'd never, <laughs> I would never, I can't tell anybody. Like I, I would totally do, I, I mean, do the Sagi thing just, and cop out. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like someone comes up to you and says, am I not beautiful? And you might think to yourself, very honestly, personally, I don't think they're attractive or even pretty. Maybe I don't know. But I mean, Unless you're, I don't know, some tool on Twitter, or dare I say, in Crunchyroll comments, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you're probably not going to say that to someone. And so, even then, like that's another axis around which this operates, which is we say these things, but do we really mean them? Like how? And ironically, you know, like there's a counterweight to Sagi's like own honesty in that we can go too far and to tell things that aren't true that when really we should do. It's not as simple as you know being economical with the truth but rather knowing when to apply it i suppose so mm-hmm. it's a man we live in a fucking society that's how i'm walking. we sure do i'm, go- I'm, I'm going to get a drink <laughs> it's a real thorny one you know it is and, a real because i mean one, if you yeah. if you tell somebody like you know i you you have the personality of a real fighter like they're probably gonna feel bad about that even if you do mean well by it and you're like i admire you for all these reasons even though i'm not attracted to you like it's still i mean that hurts <laughs> like so mm. i don't know if there's a, a escape from that um so but whether whether or not you choose to view that as being beautiful in your own way or not being beautiful but having other qualities that matter as much even if you know advertisers don't necessarily agree again it's like you said i guess it depends on whatever way you kind of want to phrase it in the moment indeed indeed but i will say this as well like um to follow up something i find really likable about this show is we're now two for two for its resolution of at least two female characters we've met who have been in relationships that then didn't work out we had mommy of course and now we have yanomoto and their concluding arcs are not that they find someone else, but instead that they find themselves, if you will. And that's not to say that they'll never, of course, find someone new in the future and that they're happy just being single. I mean, speaking personally for myself, I wouldn't find that a compelling answer. I'd rather like both, you know? That'd be pretty <laughs> neat. But I do appreciate the show willing to, is willing to say, like, you know, 
I mean, it's not like when we watched MMO Junkie, for example, where we had the closing episode in which Marioka says, I'm going to be a better person for him. Like, thanks that is show. exactly what we don't want, right? The, these no, characters. What, we, what, what we're getting instead <laughs> is the opposite and the right answer, yeah. which is, I'm going to be better for me. And indeed, that's Yanomoto's like, actual course of action this episode. It's just, again, misguided in a kind of... In a very understandable way, actually. I mean, not in terms of necessarily what she's buying for herself, but certainly the overall idea of it. But I'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, because I think the hard truth of it is, like, you don't... You don't need someone to be the best version of yourself. And yeah, you don't want like a story, or at least I don't want a story that says that me. I'm only, me, I'm my only life, valid when I'm with Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My life being complete is dependent on, you know, this other person or this other gender uh, or this sort of traditional stereotypical uh kind of life blueprint that society has mm-hmm. yep i'm in agreement right uh that'll bring us to the end of the patron question so uh very special thanks to everyone this week this has been a lot to chew on and i'm really glad yeah. that you're giving us these topics and willing to trust us with them and i hope that we've done them justice um so thank you very much for that and i'll uh in on doc's part to say that if you happen to be listening to this in the public domain after this has come out for everyone you think yourself by God, I'd like to put them through the ringer as well, you know, like really put them in a vice and squeeze the answers out of them. Uh, you can do that. We don't have a tier on Patreon called the, you know, the brain vice squeezing tier. We Maybe we should. Uh, but <laughs> you can in turn find us, you know, at patreon.com forward slash warriordesho. If you get yourself on the free dollar tier or higher, you'll get yourself access to our Discord and then in turn also the ability to ask questions of us about Jewel of Richard, about Azekin, anything that we might be covering on the pod. And there's other benefits as well galore to check out. So definitely do take a look. Galore, indeed. There, mm. Isn't there a famous record called Galore? Who, um, whose album is that? Someone, someone, someone like sign up to our Patreon and ask us a question so we can cover that on our next podcast. Oh. In fact, Doc, why are you not signed up to our Patreon and paying me money to answer <laughs> that question? Fuck's sake, man. Who am I Damn thinking traitor. of? God damn. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as we stop. Um, it, you know, it'll, it'll fucking come to me at four o'clock in the morning. I'll be having the nicest dream you can imagine. And I'm not going to tell you what that is, of course. And then I'll wake up, bottle upright, cold sweat, like, fucking galore! Mm! Damn it. Ah, oh, Jesus. All right, so let's move on to talking points. Um, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Doc. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Well, a Tanimoto. Um, nope. Wrong. I did it. I did it I, too. <laughs> I did it too. I didn't do it though. I actually stopped myself halfway through. Gosh. I feel, I feel like. Oh man. Have you ever seen QI? The QI. Uh, the, the, the quiz show. Yeah. Uh, British quiz show. So QI is like, is it true that this like old wives tale is a thing or not? And then people say the answer. And then if they like give the obvious false answer, this amazing klaxon sound starts playing in the background. <laughs> Uh, I will see if I can find it, actually, and put it into this podcast before I send it out tonight. What is but the yeah, one... You... Oh, sorry, you go ahead, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, carry on, carry on. Uh, what, what is the British uh, game show where people tell stories and the other team has to figure out whether or not they're true? Would I lie to you? Thank... Yes. <laughs> I love, fucking love the shit out of that show. <laughs> it shows really good. Uh, that That's my favorite British quiz show type thing, even though it's not really a quiz. But it's a game show style thing. Anyway, anyway. 
Yamamoto. Yamamoto. Um, I really like her. Uh, I think she's one of the uh, better, more interesting characters we've gotten so far in terms of not the main cast. Um, You know, because she's so... Because she's imperfect, because she's kind of abrasive uh, at times. I felt I, like I felt very seen by her. I must say, like I loved her 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 voice actor. I I wish I could find and give credit to the Seiyu because I think they did an incredible job. Um, and I think I mean there's so much to say about her. Like I I do. I, I it's anime you know, has withering looks, but mm. the withering look that she you, gave You stay Seiji... out of this. You stay out of this, like... <laughs> I'm so surprised. I, I'm surprised it spontaneously set on fire in that single moment he there. was just completely burned. Like, I, it, that was like a, you know, well, it, I guess you're fired. A, yeah. <laughs> like... It needed a Nietzsche-Ju kind of moment, you know, <laughs> where he just got blown away. Yes, completely. Um... You know, pack up your things. You are the weakest link, Segi. Uh, hmm. But fuck, man. She just, like, reduced him to ash with a look. And uh, hmm. you stay out. And even when, before you stay out of this, she kind of gave him a couple of, like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> like, and, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that'll uh, spawn comments like we got. And you and I, of course, know, like, this is sort of the... The nature of the show and what it's trying to do, there's a purpose thematically behind uh, this kind of thing, but um, but it's still, oh, it'll get you. Like, mm. Seiki is <laughs> such a doofus. He really is. I, I really is. feel seen by that guy. Like, because again, he makes a lot of the same kind of mistakes that I feel like in my early 20s. Oh, I'm, I'm still making those made. mistakes even now, <laughs> if I'm quite honest. But, uh, oh, no, for sure. I'm just thinking about myself back then. I'm just like, Jesus. Mm. Had anybody let me out of the house? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um, you know, Doc, I mean, I didn't realize you had a hidden career in, in you know, jewelry, you know, and gem craft. But I guess we're all learning things today, aren't we? Uh, there's so- a there's a line um, that I'll just, this is kind of a, you know, potpourri of different little statements I have for my first talking point. But, um. Like, a pretty amazing... I think this is one of the final lines. This is one of the final notes I have, anyway, of Richard talking to um, Yamamoto, um, where she's finally decided not to buy the garnet um, yes. in, the, in the nighttime, and they go back up and get yet more royal milk tea. Uh, how many cups of that is it? Gosh, Richard, your bladder. Um <laughs> <laughs> He's so many, so much milk. Um, but, you know, she does all the business. And she tells him her reasons and she's leaving. And she's like, well, that was embarrassing. Uh, I'm really sorry. And Richard's just like, well, you know, it's your choice whether you want to see that as embarrassing or charming. What and a lie. Incredible. Like, if we could all only have that like self-reflection in our lives and just think I know. like sometimes when we f- feel like uh, we're putting other people out, even though they say they're not, if we could just like internalize this and be like, this is just part of our charm. <laughs> then, yeah. Like I'd be so much happier. I- I'd still have my hair if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. It's so true. Uh, 
Okay, um, I have one main talking point here at the moment, because I think most of otherwise what I would have said has been covered by the patron questions, which is great, by the way. I'm uh, not begrudging that whatsoever. No. Um, but let's talk about the Garnets in this episode, and let's also talk about the idea of choice and freedom to choose. Because at the start of the episode, Yamosu is shown various garnets of different colours. Which I didn't know, by the way. I assumed that garnets were all red. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it turns I, uh, out they are not. I thought they were amber, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, a valid, it's valid, though. So what I find interesting about this is that it's essentially a reflection on her ability to choose like what she does next like you know which garnet do you want to be simply describing yourself as something is not enough there are different shades of it and as it turns out like she was lacking a narrative to help her pick that which then richard helps fill in sort of with her with him describing you know the history of it being seen as a warrior's gem Mm -hmm. uh particularly the red one and that's something she didn't even realize until she was shown it later on, um, when the, all three, all of the uh, garnets that came out were red in color. And I think again that speaks to what you said about his line, which is that we can kind of construct these own narratives for ourselves, where we take courses of action, even very materialistic ones, because she is buying an engagement ring solely for herself as a kind of material therapy, if you will. Like you know. I've done that before, like myself, not bought myself an engagement ring, but I bought myself like video games or beer or you name it as kind of comfort. Done that many a time. Oh, yes. And the thing about that, though, is that like you sometimes you take these courses of action and you can recognize them for negative connotations. But then in turn, someone can offer a completely different perspective that you might not even be aware of, but you may have some inkling of it to begin with. She was very drawn to, you know, having to buying a garnet in the first place she she felt it represented her because of the whole idea of you know it's a junky gem like it gets turned into you know industrial material or whatever Mm. um it has no real value which by the way ties in also with uh tanimoto's uh discussion of diamonds and their artificially marketed value Um, by the way how how are we gonna sit here and say paint has like we're just dissing paint paint's amazing paint has value (laughs) Why are we saying well, paint is valid? Like, come on, you privileged gemstone lovers. Go watch people, Ms. Hokusai. Pe- pe- people ain't wearing Dulux cans around their wrists, though, Doc. No, That's but the they're, thing. like, displaying incredible <laughs> art in their homes. earrings. <laughs> they're, they're displaying art in their houses. They are funding artists. Like, art is great. It's, a lot of it's made with paint. <laughs> Fuck uh... off with the paint being, uh, just come on. I, I, man, you're really going to stand for paint, aren't you? I'll let paint is, paint's good. Where would we be without <laughs> paint and paintings? I ask you, seriously. Intellectually, emotionally. Dorian Gray'd be fucks, that's for sure. <laughs> no, you'd be, he'd be better off, probably, right? Because well, he'd be uh, dead. The, the picture, <laughs> well, no, because his soul got sucked out by the picture. So he would, he would still have his soul. Let's save that for a different <laughs> podcast. After after I was the fucking do- the, the podcast of Dorian Gray. Yes, yes. <laughs> Man, you keep Richard listening Re- oh, to God. it over and over until you're oh shit sucked in by it. Yeah. Oh my fucking god. Right, but anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that <clears throat> I think there's a lot to be untangled from here about like how you know you can be 
building a narrative for yourself of something that you're going to do in order to cope. But you might then recognize it as something that is, you know, not to your best interest. But then in turn, people can offer you different perspectives. The accident of itself of like buying the engagement ring was not the problem per, as a result. Like wanting to make, you know, herself feel better, uh, Fianamosa, was not a bad thing. But the means in which she was going about were not necessarily, you know, the best. I mean, if she wore that engagement ring, that's something she'll see every day. It's like I said with the ring in the first episode. And it would in turn, like, you know, the whole idea of rings is that they bind you to something. And they would have bound her to that memory. Yeah. But I also can't say I really blame her for feeling like wanting to do that, having seen her ex-partner and his new fiance picking that out. You know, I think that feels very, very natural. Like, as not as to buy an engagement ring necessarily, but just the response of, I can't sit on my hands and feel miserable. I must do something, even though it's not necessarily the best idea. But then Richard, in turn, say, like, offers her a new narrative that fits in with this whole thing uh, and makes her appear as something different, like, you know, that she's fighting. And that in itself is great. So, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think in the end, it's what you choose to make of this narrative that you construct for yourself when you are going through difficult times. And that the act of doing so is not necessarily a bad thing, but you've got to be very careful about how you frame it for yourself and maybe take attention of what other people say about it because it can ultimately be to your benefit to incorporate their view into your own, which ties also into the entire idea of beauty as we were discussing before. Yeah. Could you elaborate on why you think it would have been bad for her to buy the ring? Because, think of it this way, right? She's going to end up wearing that ring every single day. Or if she's not, she's just then going to, you know put it somewhere out of sight. But assuming she wears it every single day, every time she looks at it, it will remind her of, of the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, who... Oh, and then on top of that, can you imagine if she goes into, like, say, I don't know, a work meeting. Right. And she's wearing that ring. Right. Oh, what happened? Who are you married? I mean, she's dodging the issue in this very episode. Like, keep... In fact, I just remembered this, and I really want to shout this out. Real, real fucking kudos to the subtitles in this one. Because although she's buying an engagement ring, she says boyfriend, not fiancé. I mean, arguably, I suppose you could argue, you know, one thing at a time and all that. But still, like, it feels like from her dialogue that she's dancing around it. So she can't handle it there and then. Like I say, in other scenarios, she would be asked directly, oh, who's the lucky guy? And she's going to go, oh, he's just invisible most of the time. Don't worry about it. He's from Canada. You don't know him. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah and and then there's i say the psychological factor of like being reminded of it oftentimes like you know if you have gone through something as painful as that like seeing you know reminders of it over and over again uh you will remember that you remember that moment and this is something she's willingly putting on herself so that you know it would be quite painful i'd think mm-hmm. so i do believe it would be a bad thing in the end yeah the ring itself perhaps the garnet maybe not so much because it's clearly something she's buying for herself mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think, you know, the ring itself is very symbolic, I say, of, of, of bondage, if you will. I mean, this goes... Of matchma- bondage, you say. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, maybe it goes back to, like, uh, something we were talking about in the first episode about intentions uh, mm. mattering a lot. Um, you know, and, and viewing... What was it? The the act of theft uh Segi's grandmother, and one person could see it yes, one way, and one could right, see Yes, you're right, you're um, right. You know, I think ultimately, like you were saying, like the act of buying the ring in a vacuum uh, as some retail therapy is is okay. But like, yeah, like the, the reason she was doing it, like, I mean, and, and the context around that purchase, 
she would just would have felt inferior her, you know, every time she looked at it and thought about it. And like you said, she needed, what she really needed was to internalize the idea of like her own self-worth not yeah. being tied I mean, to this asshole. I mean, heck, if you want to tie it back to a previous episode, and the more I think about it, the more I realize that this show is actually doing this so often it's actually really neat. It Like, engagement rings are not complete unless they're a pair. And, mm. dare I say, in the previous episode, what was the point of the fucking cat's eye? Not complete without a pair. Yes. yes. Shit, dog! God. <laughs> Shit, doglets. Um... <laughs> So, but yeah like yeah. It, it, the more i think about it the more incredible it's like the, i've got to give credit to the writer for having like you know a passion for jewelry but also really really understanding like the social like psychology if you will behind like gifts and material items like that it's super and how, good yeah this is great stuff i really really like it um but yeah i mean i can't protest against like that course fact. and this is also something i really like about the show in that characters are engaging in what outwardly seems like crazy behavior but if you've drilled down into it like the response of like you know wanting to do something anything in in you know because of emotional pain jesus christ i'll confess i've gotten absolutely tanked out of my face when i've had things go wrong with women in the past i've got absolutely hammered not proud of it but i mean like i say that to me is a response in turn from you know wanting to do something rather than just sitting there like you know fidgeting with yourself like thinking yourself out and so i, I like i said that's I more what i se- did <laughs> i went through some dark times <laughs> yeah you you me but you me both lad but i mean like i say you know i think that this show understands that it's just the jembo teeth like you know it's a big thing for this show and it is the end result of a lot of the um you know characters actions in order to try and make their lives better if you will mm-hmm um, but if you can replace the gems with so many different things and they would, it would still fit, you know, still fit the idea of we can't sit still. We have to try some, do something different, you know? Yeah. So I really, really like that. Um, all right. I'm going to pass it over to you then, doc. So this will circle back in a lot of ways to mirrors question, but I want to talk about, uh, diamonds that they bring up in this episode. Oh man. I, I have something I'm going to bring up about that as well, but I'm going to let you go first, of course. Okay. So, um, you know, diamonds. Why in are they in, on engagement rings? What's the deal with that? Well, it turns out Tanimoto tells us it's all marketing. That's the mm. only we. It has been decided by a group of people that uh, we want to make money. So what we're going to do is proliferate this standard, this artificial standard, this message being like the only thing worthy of a big occasion, like marriage, for example, is a diamond. And it is now like sunk in so deep in our culture that we kind of view it as a truism. Uh, But there's nothing inherently true about that. There's nothing that has... uh, made that so besides the fact that some people decided they wanted it to be so uh yeah and you know that goes back to the standards of beauty and attraction and you know in yamamoto's case she may not be able to decide whether or not she's beautiful to other people 
in their eyes, right? She may not be able to decide, uh, you know, to, she may not be able to choose a different standard for them to, to make that change. That's already kind of seeped into that. That's just the way other people see the world, but she still mm-hmm. does have a choice. If, if that standard is arbitrary, well, then there's nothing stopping her or us from choosing to reject it or choosing yes. to like apply our own different standards or live in a different sort of way that doesn't acknowledge those standards. Like yeah. we don't have to let the kind of arbitrary nature of, you know, things like beauty uh, define our lives. Cage us in, tell us which way is up. Like we, if can... I may add, if I may add one thing, by the way, it's just the case. Mm-hmm. I think also what makes this even more painful for her and indeed people like her is that because we understand on some level that those standards are that arbitrary to begin with, that they're just made up, you know, mm-hmm. that that itself stings more, I think. Like, if you knew it to be a fundamental fact that you can't fight against and wasn't made up by someone else, I think that, you know, it still suck, don't get me wrong, but you would have probably a better way of coping with it. Whereas if it is that arbitrary, you know, people will just, you know, completely dismiss one person because they think they're ugly versus another... I think that makes it sing more. Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to think about that some more. Um, that's a really interesting tip. And I think in some kind of way, maybe you can make this comparison cleaner for me here, Shadon, but I think that this is not completely divorced from like Garnets who like, you know, a garnet is just a group of minerals with the same structure. And you can mm. put that group together a bunch of different ways and get a lot of different combinations of like color and luster. But in the end, they're all still garnets. And I think that there is, I don't know, I think there's something there we're meant to... Are you saying dual racism is a thing? No. not what i'm saying right now i'm kidding <laughs> but i think we're supposed to get something from that contrast um yeah but i haven't well, quite indeed, figured uh, out what yeah yanamo says herself like i know i'm not a ruby and the thing is rubies from a visual standpoint like they're not too dissimilar from garnets mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm, i mean i'm a i'm a schmuck who doesn't know like one gem from the next unless you talk about land of the lustrous in which case pretty good idea <laughs> yeah. but that's neither that's neither here nor there who is so blord Blort. 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 Who is Blort? Blort. Uh, excellent question, because Blort does not exist in Land of the Lustrous. Wait a minute. That's a new one thing. Are you writing a fanfic here? Who is, who's the dark-haired... That's Blort. Oh, Blort. I'm so... Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> We're all out of Blort nameplates. <laughs> Paul Blort, mall cop. Oh, no... Right, moving the old on. ass memes. Okay, please Move, Moving the fuck on. So, so, yeah, like, I mean, Ruby and Garnet, like, you know, you could argue... Rooster <clears throat> Teeth presents oh, don't, Ruby and Garnet. That's, that, that's, a, that's a whole of a, you know, the kind Final of Fantasy that you, nine Ruby crossover. Uh, blah, blah, we're just, all of our... All of our References. References. This crisis on infinite earths all over again. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the point being, so rubies and garnets, like you know, I from a from a 
casual perspective, I probably would not know the difference. But anything that we make of them, therefore, is, you know, based on, again, arbitrary standards. So I think that, you know, the idea of it being a garnet is because it can be dis- potentially by the, you know, uninitiated be mistaken for a ruby. But then it's still a gemstone. It's not something you find on the street randomly. It's not common by any means. Yeah, it's not your, and it's not lesser. Like you could look at two different ones, and someone could be like, "Oh, goddamn, this green one," and someone else could be like, "Oh, this red one." But it's like there's nothing fundamentally inherent about the stones that make them different. It's just totally yeah. up to the and, beholder that what they like. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Tanimoto said, like you know, diamonds themselves are marketed as like you know the top tier uh, gem, if you will. Mm. But that's entirely a product of marketing. They, on, it's like I said previously, outside of industrial applications, their value is completely and utterly something we constructed on a societal and civilizational level, mostly, but not entirely, around rarity. And the irony is, and this makes me wonder when this novel was written that Jeweler Rich is based on, it's possible to create diamonds in a laboratory now. Wow. So. Yes, it is entirely possible. And indeed, if you think about it... Is it possible to create blorts in a laboratory? Uh, if, if by laboratory you mean whatever word processor you use before putting on fanfic.net, blorts. then yes. <laughs> need to clip out you saying blorts, because that was really... Blorts. <laughs> blorts. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck uh, on that. I'm sorry I blorted it out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um... So yeah, you you can you can grow diamonds in a laboratory, and therefore, like arguably, their value is now well junk because they're not rare anymore. Like whatever we would, I mean, they're still valuable for industrial purposes, like diamond tips, you know, drill heads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, optics and all that crap. Um, but yeah, I am. Th- that's the show again. Like I think hammering home this point that I've said a couple of times before now, which is standards of value that are outside of utility. Although then again, one can argue, you know, people will suppress the idea of utility of a person based on attributes that have nothing to do with that. But I'm talking about objective utility here. Like, you know, you obviously can't use something in place of diamond on a drill bit. Um, Like standards of value that aren't to do with utility are utterly meaningless in the face of like actually, you know, caring about people and getting connecting with them. And in the event that you know you find that your connection with someone is based on a falsehood, on a on a false standard of value, if you will, it needs to go. You shouldn't stick with that. That's why I think it's important that both Mami and Yanamoso don't end up either a returning to their partners or b yeah episode two uh, baby yeah or b uh, finding someone else. Not to say that they will never find spells again, just rather not in that particular span of time. I can totally imagine the pair of them finding someone else that they're happy with later on. And indeed, I would like that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that endless-ending uh, concept I've told you about before, where we're free to imagine the possibility of it happening, and that of itself is good enough for us. And indeed, can be better sometimes than a concrete resolution within a story's allotted time span. Completely. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's rather neat. I mean, this show, right, I've just got to say, I, it's still not, in my opinion, like the best character-driven show I've ever seen. There's a fair few that I can think of that do better. But in terms of being a serialized, here's a new person each week kind of show, I think it's getting across its message really well. And it's doing so without being too, like, you know, how shall I say, exaggerated in terms of, like, the drama. It's not that everything is, like, you know, 
the most extreme version of what it could possibly be. I mean, I'm not seeing a version of this, for example, where, say, there's any domestic abuse or anything like that. Now, who's to say that we could get that Next in week. <laughs> We're very well done. Oh my God, please don't let that be true. I'm gonna, I don't want to eat my own words so hard I end up puking. But, again, point being, um, I think this show is handling things very delicately, and that's good. Not everything needs to necessarily be the most extreme or dramatic version of what it can be. There's a place for that, certainly. But sometimes, like, you know, what feels to us like the greatest kind of pain, funnily enough, as Haj- was it Hajime it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how Hajime said, like, his problem on paper doesn't seem that big, but how we perceive it is what matters as well. Like, yeah. you know, how painful it feels to us. And certainly the events that we deal with here are painful, but they're never treated to such an excess as like to be mel- melodramatic, I suppose, is what I'm going for here. Which I really like. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's still fun as well. Listen, it's, it's a really pleasant surprise for me, this show. I mean, one of the, if not the, could, could, could be my surprise of the year just because, I mean, I'm really bad about not going out of my comfort zone to watch anime um i mean if i hear that something's really good after the fact i will but then it's not much of a surprise right i guess what i mean is like just trying something sight unseen made in the base for example like yeah exactly exactly um but i I, this was not you know before k started talking about it in our discord not on my radar at all. Uh, if I may be, the, if I may be so honest, uh-huh. if this had not been requested as a Patreon request, I may very well have Yeah, oh completely. It. I mean, yeah. totally. And as, and after the first episode even I was like, hmm, like this is like fine, but week on week it's gotten better and it's really built on itself uh quite well. And there's a lot uh, yeah. there's just a lot uh here for me to like chew on and get interested in. I really like this and it's again yeah. the it's the best thing, like just kind of discovering something that you never knew you'd you'd like so much. Yeah. It's a very comfortable and enjoyable show. I will say though, this episode had one flaw for me, uh one very noticeable, which is not I enough Tanimoto. The... <laughs> well, that's a universal uh-huh. flaw in my life. Yes. To be yes. honest, uh, or a Tanimoto like person, but I'll not get too real <laughs> on that. But whatever, what I'm going to say is that the show is getting a touch too didactic at the moment in terms of how it's comparing people to like gemstones, and that that's literally what they're saying. He's like a living jewel, or um, Yanimoto like saying, I'm not a ruby. I'm right. Like, I think that's pushing it a bit. I think that's when it's getting a bit too literal. Do you think the show now, it's pushed not... back on that a little bit this week? Um, when do you mean? Do you mean in terms of like her not taking the gem at all? Well, I'm thinking of the scene when Segi says, uh, "When Richard is like, have you, have you ever gotten in trouble because of your mouth?" <laughs> and oh, and that, like, that, that um, amazing bit of shade. I like that. Is like uh, <laughs> you know, but but people. It's I may be mixing up a couple different scenes, but Segi at one time does definitely say. But people are like gemstones. Like this is what you always say, um, and he's like, "Why didn't you get her to buy it?" And Richard is basically just like, I, I forget what he says, but kind of what I took from it is like, you know, that may be true, but like, we don't know everything about her, and she's in a like weird situation, and we can't like. It, to me, this episode was a lot about like not leaning on empty euphemisms and cliches. And maybe I saw that as kind of pushing back against the idea of like, 
you know, it's really simple. People are like gems, and that's all you need to know. I see where you're coming from, and I do agree for the most part, but I also think that <clears throat> because those specific lines are not, like, you know, debunked such, where, for example, like, you know, say he then reflects, hey, Rabbi Richards not like a living jewel, you know. That's at the I, beginning, I right? Where he's... <laughs> yeah, that's that's before the OP. Um, it's like, stop comparing people. I mean, I mean, okay, maybe I should dial back, like, that it's a problem, but more like it's going in that direction, and I don't really want it to go much further if you follow. I do. No, I totally, I do see where you come from completely. Um, hmm. I don't know but if that's I agree. really about it. Um, not that, I, what I mean is, it's, I don't know if I share your perspective. I agree and see where you're coming from and can understand well, how that's because you're American, yep, damn mm-hmm, it. To- yep. Uh, less civilized and nuanced than you, uh, for sure. Uh, so that's why I can take more of the, the nonsense. Yes. <clears throat> Which is what? Which is why I will know, of course, be talking to you about. Sorry, talking about you to my wife. You know, uh, Adams Ghost Ship IPA. <laughs> okay. Adams Good. is gonna have some very, very Good. strong words to say about you once I finish drinking. Man, that. I. I mean, talking. I to had her. a disappointing <laughs> alcohol experience. I bought some. Uh, you know, I- I'm a fan of cider, right? Um, and I always get apple cider, but like this time, I was like. Uh, you know, I eyed some blood orange cider by um, uh... a, a brand called East Cider. And uh, get it? Get it? <laughs> okay. East Cider. Okay, very, very yeah. clever. I like yeah. that. I like that. And I got a six pack of those. And um, it, it was it's not great. Now I have five more of these uh, blood orange ciders that I have to drink. <laughs> uh, you can just send them over okay. and I'll take care I'll of it. I'll ship them to you. Great. Um, otherwise, I'm pretty sure I'll talk to out. Like, another really solid episode of Jula Richard. I'm, I am enjoying this show a lot. I am very, very... I feel like I tend to, like, really, really remember anime that make me feel seen. And I don't think there's been an episode of this show that I don't feel in some way has not, like, felt like it's overlaid a little bit on the Venn diagram of my own experiences, if you will. So cool. And, and you know how I said about endless ending kind of thing, I think one thing that I think is really important is that even if I, as I grow older, you know, and get wiser every now and again, like having these lessons come back, even it just be something as simple as being overly complimentary can actually be a very bad idea. Yeah. It's never a bad thing to keep hearing them. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. mind having this come back up again in this show um, because it's certainly still something I need to remind myself every now and again. So if nothing else, I can appreciate it for both seeing me and also continue to teach me as well, which I like. Totally. I think I think that is it. I think we've uh, we've covered the we've examined the garnet, the fighting garnet thoroughly down to its core, and we found it oh, valuable. I'm gonna, ent- I'm gonna end up entering a tournament at some point as the fighting, the fighting garnet. garnet. Yes, just makes me picture a little tiny gym with raised fists swinging to the air, <laughs> chipmunk like voice. Come on, come on. <laughs> I'll take you. I'll take all of you. It's me, the fighting garnet, right here. Put up your dukes. Um, and in the other corner, taking on fighting garnet this evening, it is the crossover you never expected. <laughs> Foss Fuffilai! <laughs> what would Foss say? She'd just be like, 
Ugh. Why am I here? <laughs> Just make a face. <laughs> uh, by the way, when I say phospholite, if you're thinking of Land of Lustrous, uh, which you should be, uh, I am, of course, referring to phospholite as they appear at the very beginning when they can't do mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> so fight guard, it just comes up and just bang. Oh, that's 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 a cruel headcanon. I, I apologize to Foss fans, including myself, because I'm a big Foss fan. Well, th- things will work out for Foss, I'm confident. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Oh, oh, you poor Maybe. naive little flower child. I mean, <laughs> she's she's been through some... I'm sorry, they've been through some shit. Uh, are, even nah. already, up to this point. But I know there's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect point for us to leave the yeah. podcast on. Yeah, of my mocky laughter. <laughs> Take us away, well, Doc. We've already talked about the Patreon and how to get there. So I'll just say again, thank you, patrons. Uh, each and every one of you. Indeed, thank you. Uh, you're amazing. And we love having y'all around. Love having your support. Still floored by it. Um, and we're so grateful to get to talk to you and hang out with you in the Discord. Um, and, uh, and if you'd like to be, you know where to go, check it out. And, uh, if you're not, and you can't, uh, financially support us, we completely understand you are valid. Um, and if you want to help us out for free, um, subscribe on, you know, Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitter, just search, uh, our name, Watery Death Show, and you'll find us. But until then, uh, that's Shadon. I'm the subtle doctor. This has been second stream. And now, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night.